Hello and welcome to the HPP Podcast. I am your host, Arden Castle, and this week's episode comes from our People and Places collection. If you love visuals, I suggest checking out our YouTube channel for the video version of this interview. Enjoy! Hello and welcome. This is Health Promotion Practices author interviews, and my name is Arden Castle. Each episode will explore a recently published article and its author. This week, I am joined by Dr. Carlos Mahaffey, author of Evaluating the Feasibility of Implementing an HIV Prevention Intervention for Incarcerated African American Men, Lessons Learned from a Pilot Study, which was published in September 2020. This episode is focused on how his paper connects to the larger public health field, which is just one part of a three-part series with Dr. Carlos Mahaffey. Tune in to our other episodes to hear more about him and our other authors. So you have recently published an article in the Health Promotion Practice Journal titled Evaluating the Feasibility of Implementing an HIV Prevention Intervention for Incarcerated African American Men, Lessons Learned from a Pilot Study. So time has certainly passed between conceptualization and then publication and then now. So where is the literature now? Are there still the same gaps? So there are definitely still the same gaps. As I mentioned in the last episode, we really determined that the feasibility of an HIV intervention such as this is really just depending on the warden of the particular institution that you're interested in. So if it's something that you want to apply and there's a specific institution that you want to work with, then it's as simple as meeting with the warden to see if they either accept or don't accept the components of the program. However, we definitely think that the larger impact can be made for persons that are recently released and outside of the institution. And so focusing our energy there, we are able to not only involve these men, but also their partners and families, which is one of the suggestions uh, that they made to us more than once. They said, you know, this is a great program. We would love to have our partner here and maybe even other friends here that didn't know about the program. So focusing on holding that program in the community would definitely be a plus. Excellent. It sounds like although the gaps remain in the literature as a whole, even in your own paper through the qualitative data that you did receive, you're seeing that it's actionable in the community and in the relationships that these folks hold with other members of the community at large, which is exciting to hear that there's there's room for more more research to be done there. Uh, Yes, absolutely. And thinking about moving beyond this paper, what goals do you have for your own research? whether it be next steps or just a new research project in general and the field of public health? So I'm actually working with a different population. I'm still focusing on HIV interventions, but now I'm focusing on how HIV impacts on the most disparaged subpopulations of Black people, and that's Black men who have sex with men. And so they represent the highest percentages of new HIV diagnoses. And so my research lately has been focused on creating a HIV intervention that is culturally sensitive to that population and is able to really produce feedback and interaction that's long lasting. (laughs) That's exciting. And I like the focus on these groups that 
that we know have disparities and I like that you're going right to where the heart of the problem is. Mm -hmm. If someone wanted to teach about your paper or apply your work, what might that look like? I think it's a lot of different possibilities. It could be a presentation and definitely kind of pulling in some of the components, especially just talking about the feasibility aspect. So the revisions that we had to make that were expected, along with the revisions that were unexpected, focusing on you may have an idea and may think it may go one way, but this is how it can go a completely different way. And just being open and receptive to changes when trying to implement some type of health promotion program or health intervention and just finding ways to be able to adapt that program. I think that's the biggest takeaway about health intervention work is just adaptability and making sure that you're able to track that and see what it looks like and definitely get feedback from the most important group, which are the participants. Once you have that information, you know the adaptations you had to make before and you can incorporate anything that they felt or saw, which you may miss and move forward with continuing on how to properly adjust and adapt that intervention to your population of interest. Excellent. I like the focus on on listening, not coming in from this top-down approach, but really being open to modifying your research. Specifically, you mentioned the congruence of your gender and race with the study population. So I, I want to know your thoughts on influencing your findings in different settings with different facilitators, maybe folks that don't share the same race and ethnicity or race and gender with your population. So I think it's important on several different levels. So when thinking about the participants, in a previous episode, I talked about the culture that's associated with health and research within the Black community and some of those defenses and history of research being done to people and not with people, I think also stems from not having persons not only with your best interests, but having persons that don't look like you. And so being able to build a rapport and establish trust, I think comes with having someone that looks like you. And then also knowing that that person has your your best interests at heart. And so those factors play in being able to get the most accurate findings and the best participation and buy-in from the persons that are participating in the health intervention. And then also with colleagues and presenting this information, I think it kind of speaks to the same, knowing that, okay, this person looks like the population that they're talking about. They have a personal vested interest. And so um, trusting that they did get that buy-in from the community and they probably do have some findings to speak of that someone who's of a different race or ethnicity, a different gender, that they may miss. Not saying that it absolutely will be the case, but it's possible. So I think it goes back to what you mentioned earlier, listening as a, a PI or a researcher with your participants, but also listening as a colleague to persons that might be different from you that are doing research with a population that looks like looks like the person that is speaking. Yeah. I like what you're saying in terms of having like an interdisciplinary or even a diverse group of researchers because 
they will bring up different ideas and that you can't separate intersectionality. These things all collide and create different perspectives and those can be really valuable. And I like that you value those things. Thank you. Do you have any parting thoughts on your research and COVID-19? And does this bring up any new concerns or action items for the future? Yes. So I think with COVID-19, it really, it revealed things that we knew existed, but it kind of pulled back the curtain. So things that we thought may have been there, but weren't really sure, things that we knew were there, it really kind of pushed all of those things to the forefront to understand the gaps, the shortcomings, places where we need to put more research and more funding and more policies and more community-based participatory research. We can see we've done a lot of different, you know, type of policies. And, and we have all these years of research on these different topics, on these populations, but some of those same disparities still exist. And so we have to ask ourselves, why is that? And I think oftentimes we can see with research and outside of research as well, that it often comes down to not forming a relationship with that community not working with that community and asking them, what is it that you need versus us as researchers going into a community with an idea of the research we want to do and having our own self-interest and not the interests of that community. And so I think those are the components that have really been revealed with COVID-19 that may have taken years to do, it's, it's kind of, you know, put it on a, a fast forward so that we kind of see it now and we see it bare and in, in all its shortcomings and things that we need to address and, and where those gaps exist and, and where we need to plug our resources. Definitely. I think it's put us on a fast track to identifying these disparities. And now that we see them, it's definitely our responsibility to do something about them. Yes, I agree. Well, that is all the time we have for today. And thank you so much for shedding some light on these populations that we don't talk about often enough and your perspectives on listening and connecting with the communities directly. So thank you, Dr. Carlos Mahaffey, for joining us today. And thank you all for listening in. If you'd like to learn more about our guest this week, you can reach him here. And follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook for more author interviews. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode from the HPP podcast. If you enjoyed this content, let us know. You can find more from us on our website, social media, Sophie, and Sage, and you can find all of these links in the podcast description. Take care.